Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for another edition of Adventures in Careerland. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Adriano Magnifico. I'm the career consultant at the Luriel School Division in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, the world. And we are broadcasting live from the Luriel School Division Arts and Technology Center Broadcast Media Program Studio. And this is the first time we've done this in a while because of COVID. So we're in an actual studio. If you hear little rustles, those are our masks working with our tongues and lips to ensure that we're all safe. So, really happy to be here, back in the studio, with our Cracker Jack team of producers, Zoe Kruzik. Zoe, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. And, of course, my ubiquitous question is, how's the COVID thing going for you? Uh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Grade 11 kid from Pointe de Chien, yeah. St. Anne, Manitoba. She's our French speaker here. So, if anyone... Akira, you want you're going to break into French. She understands. You're not going to get a you know. She understands everything that's going on here. And of course, Akira Sakaki from Windsor Park, the Windsor Park Collegiate in grade twelve. Zoe's in grade eleven. Akira's in grade twelve. How's it going for you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. How's the uh, COVID thing going for you? Getting a little tired of it? Uh, yeah. I'm kind of eager. I want to get my second vaccination, but I'm too young still, so. That's right. I, yeah. I I just signed up for my second vaccination. I think I made a horrible mistake. I'm getting mine in a month. And somebody said, oh, if you went online, you would have been a lot faster. So, yeah. idiot, that's me. But that's okay. I'm still going to get it. And happy to do it. Happy, happy to be a part of the public good. I think that's an important thing. And I'm glad you guys are going to get vaccinated. So tell me, your program's coming to an end. You are students in the broadcast media program. So tell me what you've been doing this year. Your year's coming to an end. Is it ending? shortly and what are you doing to clean up right now well um we've actually finished all the work we need to do for the year so we're dedicating uh the rest of the time to production so on-air productions such as um like a game show we're doing right now so the idea is that we'll be running a game show from the studio and we'll have some guests call in and then we'll kind of do like a jeopardy style game show with them so that's what we're working on right now yeah that's exciting are you doing that too zoe uh, yes, I am, but I'm not in the technical part of it like Akira. I am actually the host for the game. You're the host for the game show. All I right. am. So you are the Alex Trebek of this game show. Do you know what sure. that is? I don't know who that is. Jeopardy, for crying out loud. Every time I talk to you guys, I feel like I'm 100 years old. But this guy, but this guy just passed away, and they're auditioning all kinds of new people for Jeopardy. You've heard of Jeopardy, right? Yeah. Okay, so they're auditioning all kinds of new people for Jeopardy, so... Zoe, this might be your chance. They're looking for someone. Are you waiting by the phone for this? No. Okay, good. Thanks, Zoe. <laughs> anyway, we have a special guest today. Holy cow. Like, I, I think this show is going to be, okay, it's going to be one of our best. It's going to be a doozy, actually, because we have with us a former student of mine back from the 1930s. No, from 1994, graduate of River <laughs> East Collegiate. She was in my advanced placement program class, Tannis Hogue. And Tannis Hogue has such a crazy life that she's led, and we want to learn more about it, and we want to make sure that uh, you get a really neat picture of who this person is, what she was thinking about when she was a kid like you guys, kids, young high school students, and where she's wound up and what her plan is. This is, a, this is an amazing person. So Tannis, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I just love hearing you and hearing you with Akira and Zoe, and I just think it's amazing the program and, and what you guys are doing there. Well, you know what? This is a this is a really neat program in Luriel. This is one of the gems. In fact, Tannis, if they had a program like this when you were in high school, I think you would have jumped all over it because for much of your life you were in those kinds of environments where you were doing personal branding for people. You've been a life coach. You worked in radio. You've worked in oh my gosh, you worked at Thermia for all of all places. So I I think you would have jumped all over this. Tell Akira and Zoe. Tell Tanis a little bit about what you do in this program. 
Well, um, I guess the idea of the program is to get some skills for radio, television, broadcast media in general. So this semester specifically, we've been working with um, like all the Adobe Suite software. So Audition, Photoshop, um, Premiere Pro, After Effects, all those kind of like softwares that are used to edit after we film something. And then hmm. we've also been working on like radio. So we have a radio studio here that uh, our students would actually be live on the radio talking and introducing songs. So we did that and we just wrapped that up. And just a little bit of like what we're doing now, which is like the live kind of broadcast portion of the, I guess the program, which is like the game show. And we'll be controlling the game show live. So that's kind of a little gist uh, of what we're doing this semester. That that is so fascinating, and I, I think it's amazing. Some of the best content, media content I've seen come out in the last decade has been from from people who are between the ages of 12 and 17 years old. So I just think that's incredible. I'm sure it's going to be gangbusters. Well, I, I think you would have been all over this, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, in a heartbeat, a heartbeat, especially if you were involved. I always say you were like, you're like Seinfeld. Um, but before we knew who Seinfeld was when I was at high school, but like, I, I just always connected with you as a person. And I always, I mean, when I knew you, you were uh, my English teacher and I loved English, love words, fell in love with language. But I always saw you as somebody in the school who connected people, like told them who they were, showed them their potential much more than what happened in that English class. So it makes tons of sense to me that this is something that you'd be doing. But yeah, you bet. I would have been all over it. I think it's important what you do. Well, well that's nice of you to say. I think you're exaggerating a bit. But... Well, you're um, paying me. Well, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm paying her big dough. Big dough. Yeah, the money's flowing. Yeah, it, it, the e-transfer is happening even as we speak. Yeah, it's just money it coming is. in and out of her wallet. No, no. So tell me, now when you were in high school, grade 11, think about this. And I've invited yeah. you to ask questions of some of our uh, Gen Z kids in here. Kids, students. I hate to call you kids. Goats have kids. P- people have children. We all know that. Although, anyway... Uh, I, I'm I'm very interested about what you were thinking when you were in grade eleven, sitting in those pews in high school, and those teachers were there. What was going through your brain about what you think the future held? This is so interesting you asked that because I was reflecting on this for this interview and I was thinking about how I wanted to go into journalism and I couldn't wait to get my bum out of high school. I wanted to be out there, like out there in the world. I felt like I couldn't wait. You know that term rubber hits the road? I could just see my my feet spinning but not not hitting the road yet and I couldn't wait so that was kind of probably what was going in in my mind and I I didn't like that I was young uh and there were not opportunities for me no I didn't and that there were not opportunities for me to just go and do things like there is now for younger people well so that's interesting so do you think that school kind of held you back in some ways Oh, 100%. That is absolutely how I felt, except where, you know, there were places where we could we could have discussions like youth parliament. I was part of youth parliament. And that was a wonderful, wonderful way to feel connected to government or politics. That's one of the things I was interested in at that time. Um, Anything, you know, where I could get connected to volunteer, I could be around people and learn some things like that was I did a lot of that at that time, because I was just counting the minutes literally till graduation. You know, what? it's funny you talk about youth parliament I, I connected a student to youth parliament a couple of years ago and he came out of that experience and said it changed his life it was just i, I don't doubt it. it it's amazing so you were already looking high past high school while you were in it because high school really doesn't close you it's, it's a surreal experience right once you get out then you go what am i in here right now unless you do some serious reflection and thinking in high school and we don't do that we spend so much time finishing the courses and we don't spend time reflecting on what those courses are and how they connect to us and why they matter to us so i'm interested youth parliament was one what other things did you try to do in high school that connected you to the outside this is going to sound terrible, but it's it's a bit connected to the youth parliament thing. But I didn't really tell them how old I was, and I joined every political party and volunteered for every single one of them so I could find out what I believed about politics without my parents' influence. <laughs> so that that was that was one thing. 
think I and I, I think I said I was 16 when I was 14 because you had me to let you in. But anyway, um, outside of that, uh, you know, I was involved in all different kinds of groups. I remember volunteering for Manitoba Society of Seniors. Um, my dad had worked with the city of Winnipeg at that time. So there was lots of rec programs that I could volunteer with before I could become part of them. So I did a lot of different things in the city where I could just work with all different kinds of people, just like anything. I, and I'm, I'm a really hyper person and, and a kid. Uh, I was that way too. So anywhere that I could just learn where they could, they would take volunteers. Like if it was a bit interesting and had to do with people, I just wanted to learn about life by experience and not just watching television. Well, I'd like to watch television. I still remember the captain and Tennille show. I love that show. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, I ripped that show. It was great. I so, think if you're concerned about sounding like a hundred year old, you should not talk about references from the twenties. I know, but I can't. I mean, I, I can't. What do you want to talk about? Jay-Z? Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. But, but that's okay. So when, when you left high school and were you choosing courses, were you choosing courses that were trying to connect you or you thought this would be a good course for me? Or were you just going through it and thinking, got to get my, my credits out of the way and get going? I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and tell you that there was a family situation and I know that my dad wouldn't mind. We've talked about it before, but I actually wanted to go into the journalism program at, at Red River and um, I had been accepted, but my dad needed me to have a university degree and he wouldn't help me out financially and he actually wouldn't permit me to go do that. Because he said, I don't care what you do, you need to get a university degree first because university teaches you how to think. And I have to tell you, the moment I stepped foot on the University of Manitoba campus, I went right to the radio station <laughs> that they were relaunching, UMFM 101.5, and I said, I want to host everything, teach me everything. So I got my courses, I did my marketing, did my English, got a rec studies degree, but I actually live, sleep, eat, breathe in the radio station at UMFM. <laughs> I love that. You went to rec studies. I, I love that program. Yeah. What, what in the world yeah. made you choose rec studies? Well, because I had to pay a little bit towards my university and towards my education. And to do that, my dad was working at the city and he got me a job with recreation. Turned out I was running the camp, helping to run, co-running the Camp Kildonan program at a Kildonan Park there. And I loved it. And I ran all kinds of programs. And my dad said, well, what are you going to go do in university? I said, well, all I want to do is be a reporter. And that's what I wanted to do at that time. I wanted to tell the truth. I wanted to do documentaries, that kind of thing. And okay, if you're not going to pay for me to do that i guess i i guess recreation studies because that's the job that i'm in but in my mind i'm like I'll, i will find a way to be a reporter and be in journalism but that's a very cool choice you made so that, i bet you that choice turned out to be okay for you though didn't it overall absolutely did because i ended up majoring in marketing i ended up majoring in film and in english but the majoring in film and marketing part would actually help to parlay some things that i absolutely loved uh, in, in my career moving forward so you know it, it's not all for nothing i always say it's like the gps when you go the wrong way does it not redirect you it like it redirects you right uh, on your path where you're supposed to go so i think things happen for a reason and it's not all for nothing when when some of these things we consider to be setbacks actually are the things that that were meant for you i like that use the gps metaphor she's an english student do you guys get that yeah. okay good I'm, I'm just wondering i don't i don't want your education to fail you i, I akira is nodding with satisfaction and with great interest no like uh, i actually i just thought of that when you said the gps like rerouting i thought that's yeah. a super good like metaphor for this like um yeah, to be honest, no matter what happens, like if something that you think is a drawback happens to you, eventually you'll find your way back on, I guess, that path to do what you wanted to do or maybe what you were like destined to do all along. So I really like that metaphor. That's that's a sweet metaphor. Karen, I'm right with you. I, I think that things choose you. I really, really do. And um, I, I have a slew of people that I mentor, but I also have about eight different mentors in my life for different compartments in my life. Uh, if you think of the Trivial Pursuit game piece with all the little pieces and the colors, I have like a mentor for each of the colors uh, parts of my life. But one of them just said to me when I just, I have just made a, a recent career move. And when I was actually just, hanging out with these people, asking them questions, asking them to speak into my life, uh, you know, what they thought. She said to me, I really believe this next time it's going to feel like the most natural thing in the world. And sometimes she's like, because I'm a go-getter. And she's like, I just really think you need to stop and that it's going to come to you and it will feel like the most natural thing in the world. Yes. And she said, and why, why wouldn't that be something that the world needs? And, uh, you know, when it's organic like that. Does that make sense? 
Oh, it does. You know what? That really makes me think, too, of a, a quotation. I think it's from Nathaniel Hawthorne. Life is like a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it eludes you. And then when you turn Ooh. your attention to other things, it comes and lands gently on your shoulder. And that's kind oh. of, I mean, that's that's a cool line just about sometimes you're too busy searching for think what you think you want when you just have to go experience and what you're looking for will appear. And I, I kind of like what you said there. Like it, it, there's a bit of a happenstance quality to what you're talking about. I think about you just have to do and meet and ignite possibility for yourself and it will take you in directions. I always think that I, I like that you talked about you have this master group. I always called, I talked to my students at River East in that old career internship program I used to run, which you couldn't be a part of because you graduated just before it started at River East Collegiate. I used to talk with students, at, it was a Jack Caulfield principle called uh, the master group. And what he talked about was you should get a master group in your life. So I wonder when I look at Zoe and I look at Akira here, it meant as a young person begin to kind of collect the support group of people who will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And I've had that group. I have this five or six people in my group, too, where we have conversations. We go for coffees. The coffees are always like three hours long, Tannis. So you have this collection of people in the same way, right? You have a master group, as Caulfield would talk about. I do. I, I absolutely do always have, and it's my privilege to be that for a great number of people as well. And it's not, people always think, oh my gosh, how do I even go and get a mentor? That feels like a nervous question, like like asking someone for a date. But again, to use the word organic, some of these relationships happen so organically and and all of them have told me it's also been their privilege to, to mentor me through some things. And, you know, even in this last career move, and I've done this every time before a career move, I went a little deeper and I... I wrote them each an email and was very raw. It was a little bit like vulnerable, but I said, question number one, I just, I know that there's something else I should be doing, but what, what do you see that it is? Question two, what are some areas of my life that you think I could have some growth? You know, where do, where do I need to grow? And, and whatever you see, if that's attitude, if that's, am I still teachable? Am I like, whatever, whatever the things or uh, skills to hone. And then I said, three open-ended, anything else that you would want to add. And, you know, some of those people said, I refuse to email you back. It must be a conversation. Uh, or some said, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. But it was so neat as they started trickling in. And there was 12 altogether. Uh, as they started trickling in, it was so amazing how each of their answers almost confirmed each other. And when you read what everybody said coming back, so people can see things about you that you can't see, yes. right? Because you're in, you're in the box. You're in the box. And, and I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm writing my memoir based on a true story. And I've always wanted to do it. And there are some people in my life that I've connected with recently. And I just said, hey, would, would you be someone who would read some of my pages? And like, give me real critique. Like, I don't, I, I want, I want real feedback, right? Well, that's amazing. So when, when I look at you young guys, young folks here, I, I just think, what do you think of the concept of a master group in your life? Honestly, um, I think it's super important because if you think about it, the amount of time that you can waste trying to figure out something that other people would be able to tell you, I think it's important to have those people in your life that will tell you things straight. Like they won't sugarcoat them. They won't tell you what you want to hear. They'll tell you what you have to hear. And I think those kind of things will really help you decide what to do and like how to, I guess, improve as a person. So it's kind of interesting to think like, yeah, you can't see those things about yourself, but other people can. And if you get a, if you surround yourself in a group of people who are willing to tell you those things, it'll really, it'll really like put you ahead. Now, did you think about this before this program or are you just kind of doing the program? Because when you're immersed in it, yeah. you're not thinking of this, right? Like, and I, I like what Tana said. It's kind of an organic thing. These, these people emerge. Sometimes you send the emails out. She sent a lot of emails out. You're so direct, Tana. It's amazing. But some people just organically find these people. And for me, it's been an organic thing doing all those internships and, you know, the thousands of people that I've met and connected on internships and job shadows and all those kinds of things. Organically, we develop relationships and... And these are people with whom I can speak a lot about different things. It's fascinating. What do you think, Zoe? Master group, what do you think? Um, I think it's a good idea to have one because then, yeah, like they help you find what you're struggling with and like what you're doing. I don't want to say like that you're doing wrong, but something like you need help to yes. improve support, or to get support. Back. Yeah, support yeah. it. Yeah. And then think about it. You can gather them all, have a dinner with schmucks. It'll be fantastic. I've done that. And they, well, they weren't schmucks. But I, I have done that where I've brought a few of the mentors in the room, took them to Pine Ridge Hollow, gave them each a gift. And, they've, and that was the coolest part. None of them knew each other. 
Yes. So they're like, what? It was like a secret masquerade ball invitation. They all showed up. We had this beautiful table upstairs. I will never forget it because I was pregnant with twins. And we all sat. And I said, I need, I need to tell you how you've all spoken in my life. And then the coolest part was sitting back and I was eating a lot because I was feeding twins and just watching them all connect and interact, exchange phone numbers. And now some of them have become mentors for each other and soundboards for each other. So kind of neat. You never know what comes of these things. Really neat. Really neat. So I remember you going. You know what? You and I have connected sporadically over the years, right? Over the yeah. Know? And it's quick. It's like a half hour we chat. And one time I recall you brought the twins. It was so cool. And we met at uh, Starbucks once. It was so neat to see the kids. Yeah. But but now I'm I'm thinking. Okay, talk a little bit about when you left high school. You're a gamer. You want to get into reporting, but you got to go to university. You're working on the rec degree. What was what were the first jobs you had? And, and what effect oh did they have? What, what what were those first ones though? The very very first job I ever had was a Winnipeg Free Press newspaper carrier, and then and what I did with that was I I saw a friend do it, and she put when she would go collecting she would hand out her babysitting flyer. They they knew that they could trust her as a newspaper carrier. If she brings the paper by seven forty a.m., we can trust her. And she doesn't pull the bag on our grass and wreck our grass. We can trust this girl. And she used to clean up. So I had her out next to hers and I did the same thing so we had the free press thing happening and then I got I cleaned up on all the babysitting jobs and so, it was like so you stole her jobs you have this no 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 like no, that. absolutely not. I took the neighboring <laughs> I took the neighboring route. Hey, no, just wait, it gets better. I took the neighboring route. And then her and I said, Oh wait, why don't we take if we join forces, let's get four routes together. You might remember her. Her name was Janice Lewin. And oh she gosh. Yeah, so we got four neighboring routes together and then we did we're like, one of us can always babysit. And if we go together, I'll do this side of the street, you do this side of the street. And then she had this Arabian husky she used to walk for the senior couple it would pull this huge toboggan for us and we, seriously we never made so much money it was stupid we were 12 and 13 i can imagine this well can you imagine think about this you've always been a little entrepreneur and you still are and yeah. you talk a bit about that but you were an entrepreneur then like can you imagine if you created this whole group think about this you could do it right now i will find babysitters you'll have this cadre of babysitters that you farm out to people and, and get the key my, my, my daughters are 10 my twin daughters are 10 give us a moment we'll be right there <laughs> <laughs> that's spectacular so that's just neat and you've always had that little entrepreneurial verve like you've always had that little spark in you that says uh let's figure out something oh i have an idea so okay you, you're doing free press but you're a young kid doing that right yeah yeah okay so when you finished your rec degree like did you do any part-time jobs before that do you have a mcdonald's or anything oh yeah, I uh, I tried Mrs. Vanilli's and after three times they're like, you need to go. I'm like, I know I need to go. I'm, I'm not good with making food. I'm not good with like my hands. I'm a very clumsy person, but I love clothes. I love creativity. So I went and worked at Le Chateau, one of the stores in the mall. I got a couple of jobs in the mall because I'm like, I'm here already. I might as well work a couple of shifts at these different places, right? So the mall was a good place. And much like high school, I didn't subscribe to one group, right? I like to float and, and to use your butterfly reference. Looking back, people used to get so mad at me in high school. I thought you were my friend, but I, all I ever wanted to do was float and get to know everybody. And it wasn't a manipulative thing not to have close friends. I did, but they were just in other grades, <laughs> you know? Well, that's an odd thing too, that people would be upset by that. It's okay to have a bunch of close friends, right? Absolutely. That's pretty neat. So Le Chateau, working part-time there. And then you got the rec degree. Now, so you did some part-time stuff here, high school stuff, put money in your jeans. After the rec, after the rec stuff, what did you do? The rec <laughs> I, I used my rec degree to go work at, at a place called Evergreen Towers where I ran the pool and I ran the social, you know, facility for 1,700 people who lived there. Uh, half of them were Winnipeg Jets at the time. And then uh, right after that, I went and became the assistant dean of residence for the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. So all the kids that came to study from other countries to, to be in the ballet program, some of them lived there. And I, I would drive. I was their mom. If they, you know, went to bed, I was there. I, I did up their shoes before the nutcracker. And I got to know this creative breed of kids like they were my own. It was really incredible. What did you find the difference between that kid and the regular kid? Oh, man, you would walk into the main area where there was a grand piano and one of them would be tap dancing. The other one would be painting. Uh, they'd be practicing moves. Evelyn Hart would just pop in for a snack. Like it was it was not 
it was a totally different planet. They had nine executive chefs planning their meals with the nutritionist, of which I got to partake. Um, whenever the prime minister would come through town, that was a stop he made to be with those kids. Like it was really like this other planet in downtown Winnipeg. No one knew existed. Amazing experience. Wow. How, well, how long did you last there? Not long, because then finally I saved up my own money to go into a broadcasting program. <laughs> That's what I remember. In fact, I, I didn't yeah. even know the Evergreen Towers and the and the, and the uh, RWB, yeah. no idea. Yeah. But the broadcast program, which one was that? Uh, so it was the one at Robertson. And uh, the thing that was interesting with that, I will be very honest with you in that program, um, you know, there wasn't much that they taught me that I did, kind of didn't know. Uh, but what you did have to, if you were going to get an internship at any of the news stations, now at that time I wanted to be a reporter, you absolutely had to be part of a media program. So then I said, guys, I'm not learning much here. I'll be honest with you. I didn't. And I said, but can you just sign me up to be, you know, uh, in an internship with everyone possible? And they did. And ended up at CTV. And on, when September 11th tragedy happened, I was doing my internship at CTV. And it was crazy news day. A lot of people didn't even know what was happening that day. And they said, look, you're not unionized, uh, but you can go out with and tell stories with the CTV microphone. Uh, and you can get the stories. You just can't be on camera. So go do whatever you think. And I got my little rust bucket. And it was the most exciting day I ever remember in my life. Oh, my gosh. The 9-11 day. That, that was incredible. Incredible. I remember that day at River East and was on our computers. We're going, I, I said to my colleague, Rory, Rory, look what's happening here. Oh my gosh. Everybody stopped. No. The world stopped. Amazing. And I was working at the RWB at that time. So in the morning when that second plane went into the building, we had kids from New York in our program, right? So there's the consoling thing that's happening. CTV calls said, we need you go gather. And you know what, you know what I thought to do for two stories? One, I went right to the military base and there was a whole bunch of soldiers that were running outside and I said do you know what's just happening and they're like no we've just been called to, to hear a major announcement and I started being the one to tell them and they were like give me profanities like who's this chick like <laughs> whatever and, and they would learn it was true but then I thought I've always been very passionate about what people believe and all the different belief systems that are out there so I thought I'm going to go to the Hindu temple I'm going to go to a church I'm going to go to all these different places of worship and, and different religions and I want to know what they all think about what this means it, it was it was riveting oh i guess so eh? and especially were you the one breaking the news to them or did they, were they aware yeah it, in some cases i absolutely was because it was still like 10 10 10 30 in the morning and some people hadn't seen the news yet wow it was in the morning i remember that oh my god so what you got into ctv what else you said they threw a number of internships where else did you go because these guys I'm, th I'm, I'm thinking of zoe and akira here they connected you with them, right? So they're also going to be connected to an organization next year, a media or a CTV or a, a, yeah. a, a, a True North. What would you recommend they do when they're at that internship? Well, one of the things I also did at a young age was join the Ad Association. And at that time, I don't know what they do now, but what you got to do was go to every single media outlet. And media outlet also being so uh, print media, radio, right? Like all the different mediums. And you got to go into their buildings. You got to have tours. You got to meet with somebody who was in charge of the content and or the sales end of things. Even though it was the Ad Association, it was my way into all those buildings. And it's a course. It was like 125 bucks. It wasn't even a lot of money, but I, I, I made all these connections on my own and got into these buildings. And then I came back to Robertson and I was like, okay, this is where I want to go. <laughs> oh, so, so you kind of get total charge of that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Be because it was inadequate. So you really, uh, you separated the wheat from the chaff there and you just went for it and said, yeah. I, I can see the small nugget you can offer me and I'm going to take advantage of it and I'm going to accelerate it. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I paid nine grand for an internship. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But they you were... can cut all this out. That sounds awful because maybe they're doing good things now. Like, actually, I feel really bad, you guys. I, no, I but it's not. That. You know what? You know, it's funny to talk about it, but it's 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 interesting that that internship probably led you to all of this kind of possibility. Like, this is well, and, and this creativity it, in your life that you never would have had. Okay. 
You're actually right. And I am going to tell you one thing without saying a name. The news director at that time at CTV, they actually were going to connect me to a job in either Prince Albert or Yorkton as a reporter. But then what happened was, and this was in and around the September 11th, it's either right before or after, I remember them telling me, this is the spin on how you're going to tell the story. And it was the news director at that time. And I'm not saying it's true for all news outlets at all. Absolutely, I'm not saying that. But there was something I became allergic to, the synthetic nature of you're going to tell me the spin of which I'm going to tell the story. I don't know. I was repulsed. I was like, did not want to be a news reporter anymore if you were going to tell me how to spin the story. Yeah, instead of letting the story organically emerge, they were telling you how to already write that story. Oh, it was really gross to me. Uh, and maybe that's how it rolls in many places. Like, I don't know, it doesn't matter. But it, it was honestly in that internship that I was like, oh, actually do not want to be a reporter. I do not want to do this. So that's and, a key and, moment for you then, Tannis. That's a key yeah, moment Yeah, it was. You. Yeah, so, it was. You're right. Like, like, would you say that was a like a turning point moment for you in this? Yep, 100%. Okay, so how did you pivot then once that happened? a little devastated and crushed, right? Um, because I was thinking, here I am, I saved my own money, now I'm going to go do the thing I want to do. Uh, but then right after that, I loved old jazz music. And there was a station called 1290, uh, well, it was old, uh, 1290, not, no, 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 Starlight. Uh, that's what it was. And I said, you know what, I'd love to go and get young people excited about jazz again. So I went to the program director, I, I made like a tape, I went to the program director, and I said, I want to do like a biography for radio, but I want to get the young people involved for Starlight. And he called me and he said, this is amazing. We have no money for you to do this, but would you like, would you, were you thinking you'd be a good promotions director? You can do some on air. You'll work with all the movie companies, the music companies. You'll work with our sales team. You can develop contests. You can, all your creativity that you have, pour it in there. And, and then they showed me how much I'd be paid and that I'd get a station vehicle. And like I was working there the very next day. <laughs> I, 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 that's when I seem to remember you. I don't, I, I, that's when I see when you started in the radio gig and you were a promotions yeah. person in radio. So how long were you there? Uh, I ended up, I started, I was like a hostess. Uh, so in my whole time there, it was like nine years, nine or 10 years. And uh, it was the, like the way you fall in love with a person and want to marry a person is how I felt about that job. I finally felt like I met my people um, because there was three radio stations there, but then 1290 ended up becoming, you know, uh, CFRW it was like oldies. There was talk, there was news. 99 Bob FM was there. It was new. It was a new format. It was, it was booming all over North America. And we were the first ones. So exciting time to be there. And then we had all these affiliates as the media outlets, you know, um, TV started to buy radio and all those things. So then I had a regular uh, on city TV. I was a regular um, person on there weekly. So it just, I don't know, it was exciting and, and thrilling time. Wow. So now you leave that. What's next? Well, I had met every single like nonprofit, all the local business owners and all of that. And some of them said, you know, it's really too bad that you weren't doing this promotion marketing thing uh, on your own because we could really use someone. And there was a mentor that I had at that time named Rob Glennie, and I don't know if you know him in your travels, wonderful guy. He actually invented Buzz and Boomer. He worked for one of the first ad agencies, Palmer Jarvis. He he took one of the first courses at, at Red River for graphic design, and for some reason, we had connected through clients, and he actually, we used to meet at Earl's on Main once a week. I'd buy him supper, and he would just tell me how to put together my company and gave me a totally different model for starting a marketing, branding, and communications company. Um, that I, so I didn't need to be a big ad agency. He showed me what I could do, how I could structure it. And, and I kept that company for 13 years and I still have it going. Not that I do much with it. Well, that's amazing. I, you know what? I, I just love that you're, you just continue to iterate and it's, it's because you met plenty who said, I'm going to invest in you. And that's what life is about, right? People who take time to invest in you. And, and he was huge for me at that time because I was terrified to go out on my own. And that I had, it was the encouragers, the people like you that, that really, okay, I can do this. Also exhilarating time, right? Yeah, that, that's brilliant. So, you know what I remember too? I got, we're going to, we're going to, uh, we could talk for a long time here for the full afternoon. But, I know. But we're going to have to get what last. And, and then I saw you, you were doing this and I, I saw you and then your name would pop up somewhere and I'd see you are, you're the general manager of what's that spa? What's it called? Well, some 
people call it thermaic. Some call thermia. it thermia. Yeah, thermia. So, so, yeah, thermia. Yeah. How do you, like, yeah. now you're doing that, now you're running the spa? Come on, what the heck is that about? <laughs> well, it was the anti-spa. It's an outdoor spa with a I know, I, I've done doing it. you got to be quiet. It's, just, it's, it's, it's almost embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Your, your yeah. robe is always soft. Like, it's just ridiculous. Okay, stop it. No, you know how I ended up there? I, I actually had a recreation studies degree. Uh, yes. I had a stint working with Economic Development Winnipeg and Tourism Winnipeg as their VP of marketing. So I love tourism. I love, and a lot of people poo-poo Winnipeg. You know this, and yes, Winter yes. Peg and all of that. And when I went to apply for that job, I said, sorry, I'm going to actually embrace all the things that are awesome about Winnipeg. And I'm going to stop trying to make marketing and branding about who we're not and making people believe we're something else when they get here. And we're like, that's not what you said. I'm like, let's actually find out who we are, tell our story, write our story. And then through that, I got to know who Thermea was. And it was just such an interesting company. They're, they're based out of Quebec. Yes. And I love that they just flipped th this idea of what a spa and wellness was on its head and I how innovative they were. And yeah, really amazing it people. It's, it's an, yeah. Have you guys ever been to Thermea? Well, you got to go to this place. It's kind of crazy. It's it's the most relaxing place I've ever been in. And I went there kind of winterish. I still fell asleep in one of these giant chairs they had in the winter. Oh yeah. In my, oh yeah. In, in my wet robe. Like I'm still recovering, but it's it's an amazing place. Let me ask you guys, what do you think about Winnipeg? Is this a place what's your perception of Winnipeg, you two? Um that's kinda of weird. Like I, I, I don't know how to feel because I'm naturally like from like South America, so I don't handle. The You're cold. naturally from South. America. Well, I mean, like it. My family's from South America. Like I immigrated wow. here when I was young, and I I don't like the cold. So for me, it's like brutal during the winter times. I try to, we try to escape to a different well country, but you know where you escape to? Thermia. No, this like is, well, well, this yeah. is the place you go in the winter. I'm telling you, it's crazy. Like. But I, I love Winnipeg, like as a whole. Like I think it's it's a great place to live. I think it's really like calm. Like it's very like peaceful. I know it's like a city, but it almost feels like a town to me because it's just like very relaxing. Like nothing bad happens in Winnipeg. Well, okay. Kind of kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe. And and Zoe, you don't even live in Winnipeg. So what's your attitude about it? Um, I I actually like I like Winnipeg. I like being in Winnipeg. I prefer it to being like out in the country and stuff. So, is this something like? Would you rather live in a major metropolis or is Winnipeg? Like, what do you see as the big pluses for you then? Uh, I'm not really sure. Okay, no, it's something to think about. You guys are in. You guys are just figuring it out right now. But I just wondered because Tannis is right. Like, there's there's always been a perception of Winnipeg. We try so hard to tell them how great we are. And I like Tannis's attitude. You know, stop. Life is like a butterfly. Stop chasing it. Just do great things, and the greatness will come. It will land on your shoulder. And it's it's an interesting way to to live your life and I and your own marketing piece. How did you go about getting clients then? I'm curious about your marketing and branding co company. Well, honestly, it was the five clients that I already worked with at the radio station that because I did the promotions with them, right? They would they right. would buy airtime and then could we get a promotion with that? And then I connect them to the latest Cheryl Crow concert or whatever. Um, and they said, "Man, we'd just love to have you on staff." And then Glennie was the one who was like, you know, um, you could have five different clients, put them on retainer, just see the pieces that they want and and help them, though, discover who they are. You're really good at telling people stories and who they actually are and uh, kind of the Simon Sinek model before it came to fruition, you know, stop, you know, trying to tell, connect with the people who already believe what you believe, right? Yes. And, and, uh, yeah, so I just found my own little niche and then it just took off. My first client was actually the Winnipeg Convention Center, uh, and working with one of their events. So I still have my very first paycheck from when I had my, my own company. I still have that in a, in a little frame somewhere. And uh, I did all, ended up all doing all kinds of things, uh, with that. It, it was, it was wonderful from speech writing to, I don't know, I, it, it just kind of grew, you know. Well, that's amazing. So the entrepreneurial thing. Now, I'm just we're going to get. I don't want to go yeah, that much yeah. longer, but the, but there's a couple <laughs> more things I want to ask about because, again, things pop up about you because if you want to connect with Tannis, you guys just watch her on LinkedIn. Some of the things popping up, and I'm I'm just dum 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 going through LinkedIn, and, I, and I'm thinking, what is this Tannis? She's become a pastor. Like, what the heck is that? 
And so then I heard the angels, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I thought, what the heck is going on here? So Tannis, how, how does even that journey, that's, that's nuts to me. But, but it's kind of amazing as I, as we talk about this and I hear you, it's kind of amazing just to hear as you become to these, these important personal reflective realizations about really who you are. Your journey is about always connecting with who you are and, and what's important to you and what seems to stick to you. So I'm interested in how this pastor, and what are you the pastor of, and um, what kind of Kool-Aid do I need to drink to become a member of the team? <laughs> oh, I love how you put it. Uh, yes, I've just accepted a role as Community Life Pastor with Anchor Point Church, and uh, it's based here in Winnipeg, although we have affiliate churches in Canada and France and some different places. And exactly what I said a moment ago, uh, connecting to people who believe what you believe. Now, in, there's a whole bunch of life experience we haven't talked about today where I've had a, had a spiritual journey that has been um, tangible and real and undeniable. And, and I've had a lot of people speak into my life on that front. But um, you and I talked about this before, very much like you and what you do. You've always been able to take someone aside. It doesn't matter who they are. Say, you matter. You have value. Let's find out about who you are, what your potential is, and how do we get you to the best version of yourself? Now, I happen yes. to believe for me that part of that is also connecting with what you believe. And for me, I'm a praying person. You know, there was there was a very pivotal time in my life where God was a big part of it and, and part of healing a big part of, of some painful things in my life. So because he became so real to me and I, I, you know, people are all on their own different parts of the journey and I have no judgment about any of those things. But for me, it, it's something that was life changing for me, my, my spiritual walk. So uh, my husband and I and our, like our family, we came and, and joined Anchor Point a few years ago and we're like, whoa, like they they already believe what I believe about how to care for people, how to love people. They're non-denominational. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just really just love people from wherever they're from, love them where they're at. You know, like the, the, the mall, you go to it and there's a sign and, and then you go to the map and it says, you are here. They're really good at meeting people where they're at, loving them. And I have seeing people just blossom and grow and change. And, and I said, I want to be part of this journey about what they're doing. And uh, the position was offered to me. Can you be the person that cares for people to help them be known? Because so many people feel so lonely. And I have actually a personal burden and passion for the lonely. And sometimes the lonely can be, and you know this, the most affluent, the most, the person who seems like the, the highest leader or the smartest in the room. Um, so my heart is always burned for the lonely and all different, whatever lonely can mean. And sometimes the lonely means just not being known. So my real job is actually reminding people that they're worth knowing and, and helping them find the best version of themselves. Uh, and then also connecting them with, with groups, connecting them with each other, establishing community. And then there's a lot that Anchor Point does to care for uh, not only its surrounding geographic community, but in Canada as well. We have a really passionate uh, leader, Donovan, um, and he is just he is also not from this planet in the best way. And he comes at things really different. So I was inspired. And like one of my mentors, I just said before, told me, she said, when the next thing comes, it's going to feel like the most natural thing in the world. And I read the job description and all these things, my last 44 years, my mom even said, oh, you've been doing that your whole life. And I have friends out of the woodwork that have been like, oh, you've already been doing that. Now you're going to be paid for it. So that's how that's the the very short answer. (laughs) That's pretty cool. You know what? And that's a, uh, you know what? It, it's, it's I'm going to say something weird, but it is when you get a little older, you start thinking about these things a little more, a little differently than when you're. These two guys are looking at me like I have three heads, but uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's it is a little different when you get older and you just start thinking. Uh, I don't know if you you think of your mortality or anything like that, but there's times when you wonder about, you know, what is all this about? What is it all for? So when you connect to your own spirituality, you just get involved in this inner dialogue with yourself that's really, really interesting. It's really amazing. And it just, it brings this depth and breadth of light to you sometime. That is cool. So I, I can, that's what's beginning to happen for you. It sounds amazing. And it, it just is sounds, amazing. And it just sounds like you're connecting to people and, and making a, re, a real powerful difference in their lives. I Akira, did you have you have something in your brain there? I can see it. No, uh, it's actually kind of funny because I'm just like at a loss for words. Like I'm trying to think how I'm gonna 
word this properly because we've done we've done a few of these now, like a few of these podcasts, like since the beginning of the program here this year. But I feel like I just and like, doggone we, it, I want you to know I appreciate that. Yeah, no, okay? and I, I, of course, and I, <laughs> I I love being here, but like I feel like we just interviewed. 10 guests in like the time of like 45 minutes like i feel like i've just spoken to 10 different people <laughs> like i'm so like this is insane like it's like the amount of experiences you had throughout your life like with your career with everything going on it feels like you've lived like like 10 lifetimes like i i'm so at, like i'm confused but at the same time it's like it's really like it's breathtaking yeah it's breathtaking and like to yeah. steal what you say like you always say like connecting dots, right? Like this is like she has like all the dots in the world. Like this is the weirdest thing ever. Well, she's collected them. We always talk about it. Tana says you have to collect your dots first. Yeah. Ooh, and then, I love that. And then you start connecting them, and you can only look at Whoa. them. You can only look at them backward because <gasps> that's amazing. Because well, that's what we talk about. In fact, my look. What does my shirt say, you guys? We have T-shirts for him, Tana. So I'll have to get you one. It says connect, I want connect one. the I dots. Want one. It says yeah. connect your dots. I'm wearing it right now. And it's the whole theme on the, on the website is collect the dots and connect them. But you have to collect them first. And so what you've done has been the master collector. Like you've gone out and you've just done, 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 experienced, activity, meet, mentor, connect with, look at this, decide on this, think about this, reflect on this, get ticked off about this, move to this. Like you've done those things and those are all the dots in your life that are like really getting to your essence. And if every kid does that, it's a hard thing in high school, right? You remember what it was like in high school. You know what you wanted to be, but you're so far from that now. That yeah. it, your journey is so powerful about all the twists and turns, like the network you've developed over time, the the experiences, the activities, the people who have influenced you, um, this great urge in you to find your real truth. I just, it just, it just oozes out of you. If to look for your best self and you've done it in an assertive way but in a in such an energetic and kind of um uh generous way too like you've you've been as generous to other people i suspect as they've been to you is that fair to say i don't know but i'm e-transferring you all that money back now <laughs> oh my god that's good because it'll it'll uh it'll, the check will bounce anyway it'll uh <laughs> That's not how it works, right? Checks don't bounce in e-transfers, right? There's nothing. What happens when you don't have the money in your account for the e-transfer? Uh, it does. It just doesn't work. The it just it doesn't, doesn't work. work. Yeah, it okay. just doesn't work. Like you can send it, but I like the old idea of bouncing yeah. things, right? You had time for it to bounce. Oh yeah, and like skip yeah. town. <laughs> you had time to skip yeah. town, so it, it it was a great thing in the old days. So is there that movie about like Leonardo DiCaprio? He like he's a fake airplane pilot or yeah. something. Oh, yes. Catch me if you can. He makes a bunch time. of fake checks that bounce all the time. Yes, yes, he's Great brilliant. Movie. It's like based Great on a movie. real story, right? Like, he, yeah. Well, that those yeah. were the days. We used to do that all the time. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's uh, the old check bounce, and you just love the metaphor, right? Bong. Where did that go? Anyway, it's all good. <laughs> you know, you know what, Tannis? If you had any cheap advice to give to, and I mean cheap with in the most affectionate way. If it's possible, if you had any great advice to tell to a grade eleven or twelve kid sitting in the pew, take taking the information, um, and well, I I use the pew quite deliberately because you're now a pastor. Uh, what would you communicate to them? What what advice would you give to them, being a young person in formation, thinking about what the road ahead can look like? Twenty things, but the thing right at the top that comes to me is don't be afraid to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and say, I don't know, but I do, but I want to learn. And, and you know what people, you would be surprised. There is all kinds of time available for people to share what they know with you. And, and for that person in that moment, when you think you're annoying them or you're being annoying and you're asking that, Oh, who am I? They don't, they're too busy for me or they're too important. Always someone will stop in that moment and just be like, wow, you also, Akira or Zoe, by asking that question, that person and anyone, you guys listening, you made me remember that what I did matters too. There's something actually really beautiful in a transference that comes back. And it is in the form of a, of a blessing that comes back when, when people can impart their wisdom back. So actually, you just asking often is just as much a gift to that person as anything that they may impart in you. So go there, connect. And, and even if it's cold calling, go for it. Go for it. Anything you're wondering about, go for it. And, and, and just cold call. And even if it's like, 
some, I don't know. I just watched this Drive to Survive Formula One racing show with my husband on Netflix. It's thrilling. I love it. I wanted to learn everything about Formula One racing. And then I was like, I probably will never race a car. It's interesting. But in my head, I want to start interviewing as well. I'm like, I want to interview three of the guys that hated each other who ran those three, these three teams. I think that would be thrilling, right? And I'm like, how do I, but I'm like, how do I find their emails? So I don't know. If something sparks your interest, just chase it. Like, chase it a little bit. Yeah, and that's an awesome piece of advice. And I really like that. There's something that comes when you ask them too. Uh, People like the, when they become the teacher, and that's part of the reason I've been a teacher all my life and stuck it out, there's a certain affirmation that comes from when they mentor that you guys can't measure quite. You think you're bothering them, but there's Ooh, the, yeah. a, the affirmation that comes from being a mentor is powerful on their end too. So don't ever, don't ever, uh, and you know what? I, I, I've always felt that when I ask uh, partners, hey, can you do an internship? Can you, can you work with a student? They always say yes, always, unless there's something physically they can't do or um, they've had to downsize completely. But I've never felt a partner ever say, no way, I'm not helping. I've never, ever felt that, and I've done thousands of them. So I think people like that idea of being mentor, of the affirmation oh, of doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's no one and nothing too big. You yes. know, I, I've just, uh, we just talked recently about uh, Bob Goff, and he's got his whole Dream Big book, but he talks about his three kids. And they said, Dad, we want to meet we want to meet these presidents in these different countries. And then he had his kids write letters to them every single week. And then he actually did get meetings for him and his kids with all three of those leaders of all three of those countries. Wow. And so not, nothing is too big, right? Yes. Like, go yes. for it. And, yes. with, and people are a lot more accessible than you think now, too. Hey, you know what, Tannis? This has been fun. Holy cow. And, and, and any last parting shots, you guys? Zoe? Yeah, no, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Um, like I said, the, the what you just told us, like all the information that you shared with us, it seems like you've lived hundreds of lifetimes <laughs> now. Uh, it's almost like it's overwhelming, but it's like overwhelming in like a breathless kind of way. Like it's amazing all the experiences that you've gotten to do throughout your career and life. So I really want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. It's good. Oh, thank you. What a I, honest, true, genuine pleasure to be here. And I want to keep an eye on this program and even specifically you, Akira and Zoe and what, what you end up doing. And um, just you're oh, such geez. an exciting time in your life. And you have, you're in COVID right now. Like, how is that going to change and impact you? And I hope that in your program somewhere, you guys are writing about it while you're in it or you're, or you're developing the content while you're in it because it will never look the same looking back as yes. when you're in it in yes. some ways too, right? Yeah, do the reflection, you guys. This is a great moment and these will be great talking points for you down the road with whomever you engage, right? About how you survived, how you iterated, how you created and how you rose above. Those are powerful things to think about and you're in the middle of it and you're doing a great job. So that's it. That's our edition of Adventures in Careerland. How exciting. And I tell you, we had a doozy today. Tannis Hogue, thank you so much for being here and sharing just, what, one-tenth one of your life? We appreciate that. I know I've missed out most of them, but you sure filled, you sure filled the airwaves with amazing stuff and just an, an amazing sense of accomplishment, good humor. And uh, I love that you talk about being your best self and... Uh, I look forward to these young people I'm working with and I look forward to your con- connectivity with me down the road and uh, just watching you in action, Tannis, along with these kids. Awesome stuff. So that's it for today. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time on Adventures in Careerland. Be safe. <laughs>